In the Old Testament book of Lamentations, we read these words that I hope will remind us of why we're here. And here's what God's word says. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. As we gather in this place today, let us give thanks for God's love and faithfulness, knowing that if we will seek him with our whole heart, his promise is that we will find him. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Gracious God, draw near to us this day so that we may recognize your all-sustaining love and power. Come to us in our weakness and vulnerability that we may face life with confidence. God, help us to hear your wisdom spoken to us through your word today so that you can reorder our thinking and our doing and, be, and that we can be channels of your grace and goodness into the lives of others. Bless every aspect of this worship service today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Special day in the life of our church. In a few moments, I want to introduce uh, more formally to you our new pastor and his family, but before I do that, I want to say a word of explanation about our speaker today. A few years ago, when Bill and Molly Schmidt um, decided to make Redeemer their new church home, I heard from some of their friends that Bill had been a lay leader at uh, his, their former church, Trinity United Methodist in Lansing, and that he was well thought of in that role. So one Sunday when I needed to be away, I asked Bill if he'd like to preach, and he nervously said yes. But he did a great job, and when the weekend was over, one of the members of our staff, whose job it is to process the Sunday offerings, told me that uh, it was the largest offering of the summer that particular day. And, and, and could I please have Bill speak more often? So the next year I asked Bill if he would uh, speak again, and um, wouldn't you know it, it was another banner weekend. And so this unnamed member of our staff uh, reminds me periodically that it's okay to ask Bill to preach, and uh, anytime I'd like to do that. But that's not the main reason I asked Bill to speak today. I have come to appreciate uh, Bill's wisdom, his dedication to Christ and to the church, and since adding a second pastor to our staff is somewhat of a change for us here at Redeemer, I asked Bill if he would help us today from a layperson's perspective with this transition, and I'm grateful that he said yes. And if it turns out to be another good weekend financially, well, uh, that's okay too. But thank you, Bill, for, uh, for spending the day with us. A couple of years ago, our leadership team began talking with our district superintendent um, about the possibility of bringing another pastor onto our church staff. Our initial thought was to look for someone who might work with us half-time and maybe be serving a church nearby half-time. We weren't sure if we could do a full-time appointment at that point uh, in, our, in our, our history, but we, so we began to uh, begin to put together a wish list of what it, that person might look like and what that job might look like uh, if, if that person were to uh, be available. Basically, that we, told, we were told not to get our hopes up too high, that sometimes the appointment process, you don't always uh, get what you want, and, and uh, sometimes folks that aren't available, and all of that kind of thing. But this past January, 
uh, through a series of circumstances, we received a call asking us if we might consider Tim um, on a full-time basis. And uh, uh, following the, uh, that uh, conversation with the district superintendent, Bill, uh, Tim and I met a couple of times for lunch and mutually agreed that this move to DeWitt might be in the best interest of both of us. So the appointment was made, and on June 15th, Tim and Aaron and the kids moved into town. They went to work right away, serving in our vacation Bible school the following week. And then some of you who were here two weeks ago got to hear Tim preach as he filled in for me at the last minute. So Tim and Aaron both have roots in this area, so family and friends are close, and we believe that Tim brings many skills uh, to this position and will enhance the ministry of this congregation as we continue to grow and as we continue to change and move forward uh, to what God is calling us to do in the years ahead. We're delighted to have Tim join our staff and uh, to have Tim and Aaron and the kids as part of this congregation, and we want you to have an opportunity to uh, welcome them in your own way in the days ahead. Today we'll, they will be in the lobby uh, right out here after the worship service for a bit. There's a giant poster like with their picture on it. You can't miss it right out here. And uh, we want you to just take time, if you, if you can today, to uh, stop and just greet them. They won't remember all of your names the first time, but I want you to, uh, and, and there's even some cookies and some treats available out in the lobby. They're telling me, the ushers are telling me now. So there's an additive incentive to just stay for a few moments this morning. So, but introduce yourself and welcome them to Redeemer, and I hope that you'll take time uh, to do that. But, um, let, let me uh, just have them stand up quickly and welcome them to Redeemer Church. Would you do that? This is their son Jacob and Weston and Melody are in the nursery, I do believe, for this service. But uh, you'll get a chance to meet them all out in the lobby in a bit. Good morning, Redeemer. My name is Bill Schmidt. It's a pleasure to an honor and special privilege to be here this morning. Uh, as we begin, uh, let's uh, bow together with, for a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your welcoming us into your presence this beautiful day. We thank you for the grace and mercy that affords us the special opportunity to gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that your words will be my words and that they will enlighten our hearts invigorate our spirits, and most importantly, provide encouragement for our daily walk with you. Please make your presence known in a special way and bless our time together this morning, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Thank you, Rod, for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I locked all the doors, so before you can get out, you have to empty your wallets and <laughs> keep the thing going. Just teasing. Uh, three old men went into the doctor for a memory test. The doctor asked the first old man, what is one plus one? 274, he said. The doctor asked the same question to the second man. What is one plus one? Tuesday, he said. That's, uh, that's great, said the doctor. Oh, the doctor tried the third man. What's one plus one? Two, said the third man. That's great, said the doctor. How did you get that? Simple, said the third man. I just subtracted 274 from Tuesday. <laughs> I, 
Obviously, there is some confusion going on here, and it's apparent that some changes had occurred in the capabilities of the men who were speaking with the doctor. Their memories had started to change, a transition of sorts. Say you haven't had enough, say you want a little more, tell you what I'm going to do. Let's look for some transition on this next slide that's up on the, on the board. Ooh, that handsome character is me. I say that because in the first couple of services, the, the transition was so great, people didn't know who that was. <laughs> but that's me. In night, the picture on the far left is me uh, when I was graduated from high school in Detroit, 1967, going to live and die for Mackenzie High. <laughs> and then the, the middle one is me when I graduated from college in 1971, MSU Spartan. All right. <laughs> the third one there is in 1977 or thereabouts when I, just after I got married and, and uh, was living up in Lansing here. And you can tell, and the difference between then and now, you can tell there's some obvious differences, right? And the first one that I noticed is I don't wear a tie anymore. <laughs> Another one that I noticed is in high school, I didn't have to wear glasses, but when I got to college, I had to start wearing glasses. Now, really, that's not the most obvious change, is it? <laughs> uh, one of the big changes that you can tell, I've adopted a new hairstyle. <laughs> or I should say that the hairstyle has adopted me. When I was that age up there, I used to say, I'm not worried about turning, wait, I'm, I'm not worried about turning gray, I'm worried about turning my hair loose. <laughs> So, okay, but be, be, I'm supposed to laugh a little bit hard. <laughs> okay. uh, by now, you should be able to tell that transitions is going to be the theme of today's message because we here at Redeemer are in the middle of a transition. We're gaining another pastor to share the work with Pastor Rod. We have been extremely fortunate to have Pastor Rod here at Redeemer for a period that will begin his 30th year. Yahoo! And thank you, Lord, for that. 30 years. That service record is extremely unusual in the Methodist tradition, and it is a testament to God's power and favor with his church. When I was talking with Ryder earlier, he said that uh, he did some checking, and he said that the last time a guy came close to 30 years, it was in 19, let me see, he had 29 years, and it was in 1930. So, 2017 minus 1930, I'm getting like those two guys I was talking about. 80, 87 years, that's almost 90 years. And with, with that, that record going on, and now he's broken the record. So let's hear it for God. <clears throat> Rod has witnessed changes in community, changes in the church facilities, changes in programming and personnel, and through it all has maintained a personable demeanor and a welcoming attitude. At one point, approximately 15 years ago, Rod had an assistant, an associate pastor named Pat, who left Redeemer when she accepted an assignment to pastor her own church. Another transition. Since that time, Rod has been responsible for the pastoral duties. Those duties expand weight expand way beyond the sermon preparation and extend to other time-consuming but vitally important undertakings. We bring to light some amazing statistics if we just consider the preparation of sermons each week. For example, 
If we make the assumption that Rod prepares 50 sermons per year, that's not including individual preparations for funerals, weddings, baptisms, conferences, consulting, mandates, over the period of those 15, the last 15 years alone, with God's help, Rod has prepared over 750 sermons. Wow. That is monumental and a testament to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. If you ever tried, if you have ever tried to prepare and present even one sermon, been there, done that, <laughs> you know how miraculous an achievement that is. In addition, every one of the sermons has been uplifting and informative, and it communicates his love of Jesus and his desire to share the gospel message with other people. But God is saying something. He's saying, folks, it's time for some help. So enter the new guy, Reverend Tim Trometer and his family. He and his family are a gift from God to Redeemer and have moved from Jackson, Michigan, and will be serving the Redeemer congregation as a second pastor. Just like any other gift from God, this gift, Tim's gift, is for the building up of the Christian community. Welcome aboard, Tim, Aaron, and your entirety of your family. We're glad you're here. However, this message isn't necessarily about Tim. Rather, it's a message about the changes that take place when God has a plan for your life. It is a proven scientific fact that change is one of the most feared things that human beings encounter. We resist it with every fiber of our being. We love stability. We love for things to remain as they are. But the inevitable aspect of life is that it always changes. One person said, the only thing constant in life is change. <clears throat> Yet, it is impossible to get from where we are to where we are going without making a transition. I feel that a greater part of our success as a Christian and as a church is how we manage that transition, how we manage change. We need to learn how to function and ultimately be successful in any season of transition. And look at it this way. We are growing because of transition, because of change because of God's direction. First of all, we need to understand the nature of transition. A transition is not a change just for the sake of change. A transition is moving from one point to another point. It is essentially moving forward. When we as Christians begin to encounter transition, when things begin to get a little unfamiliar, we need to realize that God is taking us somewhere. He is repositioning us. It's like that Christian song on the radio. God is on the move. God is on the move in many mighty ways. There are things you cannot get from where you are presently positioned, and God wants to strategically position us so that we will be able to access the things he wants us to access. Rick Warren, the author of many Christian-centered books, says that through all transitions, it's the duty of the church to cultivate community. And this community requires commitment. Only the Holy Spirit can create real fellowship between believers, but he cultivates it with the choices and commitments that we make. The Apostle Paul points out this dual responsibility when he says, you are joined together with peace through the Spirit. So make every effort to continue in this way. It takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving Christian community, and neither has been missing at Redeemer. Tim and his family can be assured that the Redeemer community is friendly, welcoming, helpful, loving, supportive, cooperative, 
genuine, personable, hardworking, and most importantly, God-focused. I met Tim, and it's my observation that he, too, is all these things. We met at the 180 conference a little earlier this year. Rick Warren continues and says that it is our job to protect the unity of the church, and that unity is the soul of fellowship. The Apostle Paul emphasized the importance of unity. Jesus prayed for unity. So we live in a changing church. Churches which serve the real needs of people are the ones that grow. Churches which focus on others outside the walls of the building, these are the churches which grow. It's not about avoiding change. It's not about being comfortable, but it's about redeeming people for the kingdom of God. And with a second pastor on our staff, we can go about that business even better. Life is a series of transitions that if we follow God's lead, will shape and develop our character in a positive rather than a negative way. These transitions force us to look to God and depend on him instead of ourselves. In a very real sense, God is preparing us for a new thing, and isn't that exciting? It's great. The Bible is full of transition, change, shifting, movement. We see captivity, then we see liberty. We see weeping, then we see joy. We see darkness giving way to light. We see death giving way to life. We see the old giving way to the new. But consider this. The greatest transition template is Jesus himself. God became man, came down to earth, and rescued us to be at his side forever. Clearly, obedience to change inspired by God has led to unimaginable blessings. Think about these folks and characters in the Bible. Abraham, he was asked to pull up roots and move to a place he knew nothing about. It was nothing that Abraham thought up but it was God's plan. It resulted in Abraham's faith in God being credited as righteousness and still serves as a special model of faith and trust today. Noah, Noah was directed by God to build a boat. It wasn't Noah's plan, and it took a lot of transitioning on Noah's part. He was mocked and criticized, but it resulted in reconstruction of mankind. Moses led a transition team into Egypt. Again, a plan from God, and it resulted in freeing the Israelites, God's chosen people, with the opportunity for a new life and a new journey with God. Joshua was instrumental in God's plan to lead the Israelites in eventual transition into the promised land. Daniel, another character, suffered the transition of being removed from his home and held captive even experienced living inside a fiery furnace and sleeping with hungry lions, but maintained his faith and trust in God. His story demonstrates how exemplary faith and trust in God can benefit in even the most trying of conditions. The 12 disciples of Jesus all left their former lives to follow Jesus, again, part of God's plan. And because of their efforts, experiences, and their transitions, and their written accounts, we learn of God's love and our salvation through their delivery to us of the greatest story ever told. Who would ever imagine that Saul, the avowed Christian executioner, would, after meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, change as part of a God's plan and become the Apostle Paul, 
champion of Christianity and majority writer of the New Testament, alerting people to the need to transition and embrace Jesus. One more, the author of Hebrews is trying to interpret to the people of his day how God is doing a new thing. After all, Jesus was something new. Jesus meant change, lots of change, a transition in the way they understood God. And so they had to come to grips with this change that God was working. Last month, Pastor Rod presented a series of sermons about Jesus, who he is, what he said, and asked us specifically if we as individuals were willing to proclaim him as our God. If you answered that question by saying, yes, Jesus is my God, then according, then according to what the Apostle Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Sounds like another transition to me, doesn't it? And it is in Christ, and it is Christ in you that will lead you through every aspect of your life. The changes, the successes, the sorrows, as well as the joys, all individual adventures brought to us through his gift to us, the gift of life. To go one step further, we must be willing to submit our will to that of God the Father. That seems contrary to our human nature, but according to Matthew's gospel account, Jesus sets an important example while he was teaching people how to pray when he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In addition, the Bible tells us that on the night before the crucifixion, Jesus was troubled because he knew what was about to take place. He and the disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. <clears throat> Notice the importance, two times for emphasis. Jesus says that not mine, but your will be done. The point of all this is to say that if we follow Jesus, we need to do like he does and submit to the will of God the Father. When we do that, it becomes easy to understand and grasp the concept that God is in charge of designing your life. <clears throat> you can still exercise your freedom of choice to accept or reject his guidance, but to those who follow him, he choreographs the twists and turns of your life, call them all transitions. The Apostle Paul reemphasizes this when he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I'm human, and I confess that I probably don't always follow what God's will is. But I try. The theologians have a fancy name for that process, and they call it sanctification, where we are trying to become more like Christ in all that we do. Some days we do good in that effort, and some days eh, not so good. But we must adapt, adopt a personal policy, a personal priority, and a personal practice of ever trying to be more like Christ. I especially like the words in the hymn, I Surrender All, which in part says, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him 
I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. One of my favorite passages emphasizing the love God has for us is found in Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The Amplified Bible, amplifying the meaning, emphasizes verse 16 even further, saying, Behold, I have indelibly imprinted a picture of you on each one of my hands. Isn't that comforting to know that that's how much God loves you? The designer of the universe, the designer of the earth, the designer of each of us displays a love for us like no other. Some people say that their designer of choice is Versace. Some people say, did I say that right, Versace? Okay, some people say their designer of choice is Vera Wang. Some people say General Motors or Christian Dior. But I say my designer of choice is God through Jesus Christ. Who do you say? And now that designer has brought us to another overlook on a new horizon in the life of Redeemer, a transition which technically began on July 1st. It's a period of transition designed by God which allows an acorn to be planted in the earth and after maybe 100 years to realize its growth potential and become a resplendent full-size oak tree. It's a period of transition designed by God which enables a baby to develop in the mother's womb and after nine months emerge as a tiny human being who has the potential to change the world. It's a period of transition designed by God which allowed the church to begin with 11 disciples of Jesus who were energized by the Holy Spirit and following Jesus' commandment went out and made disciples of all nations and this effort continues for well over 2,000 years from the day of Pentecost. It's a period of transition designed by God which enabled a young boy to give his heart to God at age eight, whether some hard early life circumstances, finding, find a loving wife, raise a family, experience the joy of children and grandchildren, and stand here preaching a sermon on a Sunday morning in DeWitt, Michigan. It's a period of transition designed by God which allows Redeemer Church to welcome another pastor and his family to serve God in this location. It's a period of transition designed by God which enabled a young woman, Kim Metzer, to be introduced to Redeemer through a friend, encouraged to bring her children to vacation Bible school, allowed herself to grow and develop in the church, and eventually to realize and respond to her calling, becoming an ordained minister and accepting a pastoral position in charge of a congregation in Hastings, Michigan. That's wonderful. What a transition. It's a period of transition designed by God which brought a younger pastor, Pastor Rod, and his family to serve God and Redeemer for over 29 years and provide leadership, insight, energy, and compassion to help the lost become united in finding the love and life of Jesus Christ. 
It's a period of transition designed by God that has seen unbelievers enter through these very same doors, embark on a lifelong love affair with Jesus, and go out into the world serving others and spreading the gospel message. It's a period of transition designed by God which has brought Redeemer United Methodist Church staff members, both past and present, to this day, on this corner, in this building, sharing a common bond of cooperation powered by the Holy Spirit that enables management of the myriad of administrative responsibilities and details, provides growth opportunities, and develops and implements programs serving all generations. Their goal being that the glory and recognition go to God and his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, it's a period of transition designed by God that we pray will guide and protect Redeemer United Methodist Church, its programs, people, staff, congregation, volunteers, and our combined spheres of influence so that together with Jesus as our focal point, we can walk with courage, fortitude, faith, strength, perseverance, compassion, wisdom, cooperation, and trust into the future, holding high God's words found through the prophet Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the transitions in life that bring us closer to you. We look to the future with excitement and expectation to see how we can all work together to be the ambassadors of Christ that you call us to be. May all that we do reflect positively on you, for it is in Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.